All right, thank you so much for tuning in to Forward Thinking Founders. This is the podcast where we highlight undiscovered talent. We're scanning Y Combinator, Pioneer, Product Hunt, Twitter, Indie Hackers, all these different networks to find really interesting founders and interesting projects and startups, and we feature them on the podcast before you've probably heard of any of them. And what's great about this is you get to follow along on their journey as they become more and more successful and say, I knew them when. So thank you so much for tuning in to Forward Thinking Founders. And let's get into our next founder you haven't heard of, but you will. All right, how's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders, where we're talking to founders about their companies, their visions for the future, and how the two collide. Today, I'm very excited to be talking to Alex Bullington, who is a co-founder of Markup. Alex, welcome to the show. How's it going? Good, Matt. Appreciate you having me on. Thank you. Yeah, appreciate you coming on. I'm very excited to to dive into this. It's I don't think I've seen anything quite like it before. So, um, you know, let's just dive right in. So, for people that don't know, um, what is Markup? Yeah, so Markup is a visual commenting platform for live or staging sites. Um, when I say that, typically what will make most sense to people is talking about the problem where when you're looking at agencies or in-house design teams, pretty much anyone that's creating any type of digital content, what they'll do is a designer will you know, build something in uh, Sketch and they'll pull some assets into Envision or Zeppelin and start prototyping. Um, but then they'll hand that off to a developer. And when they do that, developer goes and builds an actual site. And when that developer hands that back to the designer or a VP of marketing or someone in communications, everyone for them to review, um, what happens is they're actually just taking screenshots of that site and they're pulling Envision up and looking back at the prototype and saying, oh, okay, like this is off, let's change this here, or putting stuff into a Google Doc and emailing people. It's a complete mess. Uh, so with markup, you just enter in any site um, it renders a, a canvas over top of your site and you can instantly add comments on there. All right. I have tons of questions about how it works in the user experience, <laughs> but I think before all of that, I would love to hear a little bit about, um, I mean, where do you, you know, where'd the idea come from? How'd you get started uh, um, a little bit on, on that front? Yeah. So my co-founder and I were in a pretty interesting situation. Um, one of my co-founders, Greg, we actually ran a startup in Baltimore, Maryland for about four years called Arbit. It was uh, at one point a B2C polling app. We scaled it up to about 300,000 users and then pivoted into the B2B space and built more of a market research SaaS competitive intelligence company. And so we have been talking to this parent company of markup, Saros, for a long time. And it was naturally a good fit to come into Saros ecosystem and lead markup just as they were launching it. And so the Saros team really found the problem that I just described from their own customers. So Saros is an experiential content creation platform. And you know, a company like Wall Street Journal would go through that exact process where they create this amazing Saros experience. And then when it came back to providing feedback on that experience, it was a horribly messy and complicated process. And so they wanted to start markup. So that's awesome. I think that's the first, the first kind of uh, the first situation like that. I might have more questions about that later on and then the, in the conversation, but for now I want to dive a little into the user experience of the app. So let's say I have forwardthinkingfounders.com and uh, which I don't, but I have, I have F20R.com. So I, I, 
make a website and are you saying I can send someone this website and they can mark it up, but it doesn't actually affect the live website. Can you just explain how it works to a user? Yeah. So let's just take a live website. Like if you did have forwardthinkingfounders.com, you would type that URL into markup, press enter, and it would render it as a new project. Um, you click into that project and it basically is your site um, behind some sort of proxy layer that we run inside through on markup. And then you share that entire project with any stakeholder that you want. People can come in, they can either sign up for their own account or create a guest account. You guys can all add comments on that site. And does everyone have their own copy? So if I, if I give a website you know, to five people and they all comment it up, do they have their own copy or is it all on one copy, like a Google Doc? It's essentially a Google Doc for a website. So everybody- Interesting. <laughs> so what are some, so there's, there's a million use cases for this. I'm kind of curious what, what your maybe top two or three ones are. Like what, what, what are your favorite use cases for, for uh, this product? So that's a fascinating question because I think we wrestle with this all the time where I would say 40% of our users are agencies around 20 and 30 people who are creating websites all the time. And they work with clients who are remote or sometimes they're working as a team, which they are actually remote. So uh, a developer might be in Portugal, but the agency is based in the US and they need to be able to streamline that process. So we're focusing on a lot of those, but when you look at anyone who is creating digital content, um, it could be anyone from like a growth marketing team, a communications team, um, somebody coming out of a legal department. It really is sort of this ubiquitous problem across just anywhere that somebody has to create a landing page, a site, whatever it might be. So if you go back to your original question, it's, it's agencies, both small and large, it's in-house design teams, but something that I think is the third a really interesting thing that's come up recently is how do we build markup as sort of an API where we plug into a lot of different CMSs or uh, content delivery networks where anytime somebody pushes something or deploys a new page of any kind, it runs through markup. That's sort of the billion dollar idea. Yeah, that's really interesting. That kind of reminds me of something pretty unrelated, but I think it makes me think of it of, um, I used to be an SEO and the, uh, the world of backlinks that break, you know, is like was one of the banes of my existence. And I like wonder if you could have something that is just always on a site. And when one backlink breaks or, you know, something's not valid, you automatically one like, no, but even above that, even if like anything changes on a site, like, I don't know, it's almost like a single source of I don't know. Can you actually dive deeper into that idea? Like that billion dollar like vision or idea? Cause that, that's interesting. And I don't exactly know how to like think about it yet or describe it yet. Do you mind like diving a little deeper into that? Totally. Totally. So uh, let's take an example for this, like look at markup. It's three tiers. You have a, a very sound core product that is free to use. And then you have a, a team tier where you might have uh, a team at Nike that just wants five accounts and they can all go through different projects and organize that. And that's, you know, 15 bucks per month per user. Um, but I think it's this enterprise play where when we look at a billion dollar idea, it's how does any time that a piece of content that needs to be reviewed across an organization um, get pushed through markup so that you're not just looking at it as like, okay, we're going to sell markup into the marketing department. We're actually going to have, Markup be a tool that sits on um, whether any type of CMS that a company is using to produce content, 
or it sits in HubSpot anytime it's a company wants to push out a landing page. It, um, it sits in pretty much any aspect of the company where content is digitally being produced and needs to be sent around for feedback. So we see it as more of just an enterprise collaboration tool versus just a, hey, I'm a designer at an agency and I need to get feedback on something before I push this out and then I'm done. Do you, when I look at your website, it kind of looks like you built, you've like extrapolated the like a Google Doc function, but for pretty much any website, is that, like, do you, do you kind of see yourself going beyond websites? Um, or I don't know, like you, you have this technology, which is a lot of collaboration. What else could people do with it in the future, you think, outside of, um, you know, what's already been mentioned or like what you're currently doing? Yeah, there's two things. One, the most immediate fix was coming is um, images. So the ability to upload an image into Markup, which sort of blends into Envision space a little bit. And we're not trying to become a prototyping tool. We just want people to have a seamless experience across the entire design creation process, especially with their feedback loop. So if you're looking at stuff, they're creating websites and they push that through Markup, it's great. But when you start at the beginning and you look at the assets that they're creating, why not just put those into markup as well? So you can see that uh, kind of change over time. And especially if you're putting an image into markup and you want to eventually put that into the site that you have just put into markup as well. Um, how do we control that process? Part two is uh, white labeling, which comes up a lot. Um, it, actually, we were if you're familiar with Hacker Noon. So I know you've visited a lot of these different sites. Um, Hacker Noon, is a site that, and this, this really first was revealed to us about a month ago. Um, they have 30 to 40 articles that get published a day. And before that, you have hundreds of articles that are getting submitted by authors um, to go live on a site like this and millions of readers. How do you allow markup to kind of be white labeled inside of Hacker Noon and really any publication, Wall Street Journal, NBC.com, um, so that authors can collaborate with copy editors with journalists before things actually get published. Um, that is a really fascinating thing that we're working on as well, too. Yeah, there's it's a lot, lot you can do. It's a lot. It's exciting. Yeah. How do you, how do you um, focus? How do you, make, how do you keep focused when there's so many things you could do? Um, what strat tactics do you use to like kind of bring it back in a little bit sometimes when you're out there and it's like, Oh great. Like we can do that, but we have something to do now. That's something I struggle with a lot with my, with my last company. I don't know, do you have any tips or do you deal with, do you struggle with that at all? No, I, I absolutely struggle with it. Um, I even struggle with it right now. I think I've always approached products and how you scale it with either a wedge market um, or a scale market. And you, you kind of want to find like for us, our wedge market was really a lot of these, agencies that were that had such a deep problem when it came to website feedback but they were willing to try out our tool early on and provide us a ton of feedback so we could build around them at the same time i think we have put off the ability to have built out more of a white labeled solution earlier so that you could scale up really fast but you would be focused only on serving those customers to which you were actually white labeling or as we look at some of these like cms platforms uh, like a, a squarespace or a wix uh, WordPress or a content delivery network where there are massive companies out there. We're speaking to one uh, today based in San Fran that is uh, really, really big. And 
they're looking at, you know, how do we have an API where anytime somebody deploys something through this company's site, um, it first gets checked through markup so that they can share these sites within their teams. You know, so you look at the scale market, it's like, well, you could go that way and you could focus all of your development efforts on that, but you'd miss out on a lot of those early adopters that um, can kind of lead you in a way that maybe you didn't necessarily predict. And so I think it's like, okay, let's focus on where the, the key wins can happen. Let's build a hypothesis around that and say, hey, we think that markup can solve a challenge for 50,000 of these small agencies and we can convert 20% of them to a paid tier. Let's hyper-focus on that for the next six months and build the product around that. And at that point, we'll be able to have enough cash flow and possibly be able to raise capital on our own where we then can go explore some of these more billion-dollar markets. So I think it's just like, well, there are the the really shiny stars in the sky. You got to stay true to the North Star that you've established for yourself before moving anywhere else. So just trying to stay as focused and tied around hypotheses and prove them or disprove them as quickly as possible. And you mentioned their fundraising, and that brings me back to um, a question about your, I guess, your setup. So yes. how, so are you, I guess legally, is there like a CEO that oversees you as the founder of a product? Are you like, can you full autonomy with fundraising? Can you just, I'm very interested to learn about your, your, your setup and what you can do and what you can't do. Yeah. Uh, and I think probably all of Saros is really interested to learn more about it too. So Saros is a 230 person company and uh, we report directly to Simon Berg, who is the CEO of Saros. Uh, we are technically a part of Saros and we want to make sure that this platform gets built in fully within the Saros platform so that all of Saros customers, while they can use it today as a standalone platform, we want it to be smoothly integrated for them. So that's kind of been focus number one and that'll be completed in, in hopefully less than a month. After that, we actually have started to get some inbound requests from investors, uh, especially after the product hunt launch and I can get into that in a second. Um, it has been really interesting to see how well received this product has been in the market both from users and from investors and there is a very real possibility that we spin out and Saros is sort of this parent company but we are our own entity and we scale up um, as an autonomous company so TBD yeah for sure I uh, totally understand so a couple more questions for you so what would you say what would you say? So you said you ran a company before this and now you are, now you're working on, now you're working on this. What are your, some of the things that you learned on that during that company that have made your time easier uh, working on what you're working on now? Um, you know, lessons learned the first time that you didn't have to learn again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I think two things come to mind right away. Maybe a third is like a principle that I've learned. Um, the number one thing is always making your customers happy. And I think with our bit, when we shifted over on the P2B side, we were trying to just like scramble between a team of, you know, Greg, my co-founder and I, and a couple of other contract employees, to just like do a million things at once. And you know, we were trying to serve a bunch of customers. Um, and I think we did it okay, but it was something I just remember that the happiest customers, are the ones that are going to drive your business forward and provide word of mouth and referral marketing. And, there is nothing better than that. And so coming into markup, um, I think a sign of that was on product hunt, the amount of feedback that we received from a lot of our early adopters who were there to support us on that day. 
was how much that we care about the product and care about how much success they get out of it. And we are chatting with them consistently through email. We have um, surveys that we run through Arbit uh, for our customers. We invited them to a Slack channel. We communicate with them on intercom. It is relentless, uh, but we know we're building a community around that. And that has been the best possible thing. Yeah, that's awesome. It's, uh, it's always good when you don't have to learn everything, like do, do everything from, uh, from, the, from scratch. Yeah. So what would you say is the big decade, like decade long, you know, two, two, two decades out vision for, for this company? Um, you know, if you had to dream as big as you can dream, if everything worked out, you raised all the money you wanted to raise, you spun out or you didn't, whatever it is, what does uh, markup look like, you know, in a decade or two? Yeah. Uh, I mean, if I were to dream, I would say people would be checking markup as much as they're checking email when they come to work, where uh, somebody's always going to have some sort of document a uh, piece of content, an image that they will need to either provide feedback on or review feedback on at their desktop when they come into their office um, every morning. And it's something through which every single piece of digital content and organization will flow. And I want it to be an inherent process of someone's day, so much so that it becomes a verb like Slack or Google. That is, that is, I feel like every startup stream. Um, and the thing is like all these, you know, Googling, Slacking, uh, you know, tweeting, like all these things, like they meant nothing at, at some point. And then it just took a small group of, of people bulldozing their way into the market to make it a thing. That's why I love about entrepreneurship. Like anything's possible if you have the right people involved to make it, making it happen. Um, so my, Last question for you is how can the forward thinking founders community help you reach that vision? Do you even ask for anyone listening? And um, I don't know, now's your time to be selfish and ask what you need. So feel free to uh, tell us what you need and maybe we can help out or someone listening can help out. I really appreciate it. I would say, again, we are people that genuinely believe in feedback so if whether it's somebody here that is working on a site and wants to go to www.markup.io and check out the product it's completely free to use or they have a friend that um, builds a lot of sites or is a designer or works in communications or marketing wherever they're typically working on a lot of this type of content um, to pass it along to them as well again completely free to use www.markup.io enter in a site, begin collaborating with your team instantly. We'd love for you to check it out, provide feedback for us. All right. Well, Alex, thanks for coming on. Definitely a fan of what you're working on. And I wish you all the best in growing it to make all those dreams happen. So thanks again <laughs> for coming on. <laughs> Thank you very much, Matt. I appreciate you having me. Have a good night. You too. Okay. Thank you everyone for tuning into that episode. I hope you really enjoyed it. And luckily, there's another one coming up real soon. But before then, I have a couple things to tell you. First, if you're listening to this and you think you're working on something cool or you think you're smart, hit me up on Twitter. I am at Matt underscore Sherman, and that is Matt with one T. So hit me up, shoot me a DM, and I'm happy to check out what you're working on and maybe we can get you on the pod. But at the very least, I'm happy to give you feedback on your product or project or startup. Lastly, if you can please 
rate this podcast in the iTunes store. That would be awesome. I'm trying to get up in the rankings so more people can discover these awesome founders. And the only way to do that, or one of the ways to do that, is growing with rankings. So if you like what you're listening to, please just go onto the iTunes store, give it five stars or four, you know, or three. I'm not going to tell you what to give, but just tell whatever I deserve, you should rate that. With that, I'm signing off. See you next time. Bye.